Think for a moment about your relationship with your spouse in terms of an Olympic event. Many of the Olympic events start at the beginning, go to the finish, and they end very rapidly. That's not a very good picture for a relationship in marriage. What if they would give gold medals for great marriage relationships? What would it take to get one of those? What if you were having a great marriage or you're just being a great parent or a great friend in your relationships and you would be able to stand up on one of those platforms and they would play an anthem and they would play something around your neck because you did something that made that relationship great. And in athletics, that special quality might be dedication or perseverance or commitment that just stands out. Well, for a gold medal in relationships and marriage, there's a single quality that stands out biblically. So we want to look at what God's Word tells us about that quality in 1 Peter chapter 3. Please take out your sermon notes that have been provided for you. The single quality that is talked about in 1 Peter 3 is the quality called submission. Let's talk about that word for a minute. That word submission, when you hear it, is your first feeling towards that word a positive feeling or a negative feeling? Many times it's a little negative. Let's be honest. In our age, that word has not been perceived as a very in word. When we hear it, we think that maybe that word is just a little out of date. When I look at the positive ways that that word can be used in the dictionary, then I knew I was in trouble because only I saw definitions like back down. Submission meant bend to another person's will or comply, crawl, cringe, give in, live a dog's life. Now one positive phrase. This word submission suffers from an image problem. A word that used to have more positive slant today has been taken on totally negative slants. I knew that we were going to have to begin with the basics to communicate God's will and God's word for us today. So in your notes, submission in the New Testament means to have courage, having the courage to give up my right to be, meet and my right, give up my rights to meet the needs of another. Isn't that pretty important in any marriage relationship? Having the courage to give up my rights in order to meet another person's needs. That attitude deserves a gold medal. That attitude is one of the basic ingredients in living God's way. So in your sermon notes, we have just noted three basic ways to live your life. Number one, the first is my way. And that in your notes is selfish. I can live my selfish way. Do what I want because I want to. That means that I'm above everything and everybody else. 
Number two, secondly, it's others' way, and that's subjective. You're, you subject everything to someone else's because you have to, doing exactly what they want and say, because you want to just make them happy. I am subjected to them, so therefore I'm down under them. What Peter says in the New Testament is that neither one of those works. So he goes on to say, do it God's way. Number three in your notes. That's being submissive. That is between the other two. My way, that's being a tiger, clawing your way to the top. That's selfish. Others' way is being a turtle. That means I hide in my shell and let people throw things at me. But neither one of those works. Now, submission, biblically, is not to be seen as being a doormat. That is not the biblical meaning of submission. The single word that best defines that word submission for us in the use of our language today is the word unselfish. Just being unselfish in our relationships. So Peter talks about two basic things in this passage of Scripture. Why should I be unselfish? And secondly, how can I be unselfish? The why and the how. Let's take a quick look at these two areas. First, why should I be unselfish? And that's a pretty good question for some of even to ask. Because some people are just saying, my selfishness is working out just fine for me. Thank you. I'm getting my way. Things are going okay. I like it. Especially if someone would say to you, you ought to be unselfish first. We can say, yeah, let someone else be unselfish first. That would be the unselfish thing to do. Let others do it first. The Bible gives us three powerful reasons to be unselfish. Number one in your notes, selfishness, that's the source of conflict. Selfishness is the source of conflict. Look at James 4, verse 1. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from what? Selfish desires that war within you. That's the source of conflict in your marriage, in your homes. This verse says that the root of all your conflicts, someone, somewhere, somehow, is just being selfish. And you are saying, yes, yes, that's true. It's my spouse. Unselfish. Unselfishness can make a big difference in your home, in your relationships. The second powerful reason to be unselfish. Peter tells us, number two, unselfishness is the secret to change. Peter is writing to wives in this text, and he's encouraging them. Look at 1 Peter 3 again. He writes, be unselfish, so that any of them, meaning their husbands, do not believe the word. They may be won over, that is, be changed without words, but by what? the behavior of their wives. This applies equally to all Christians. In all relationships, unselfishness is the secret to change. Every relationship needs to grow and to develop. If you are struggling with your relationship with your spouse, you're desperate for some changes to begin, how do you do it? 
Let me take a quick survey. How many of you have tried the method to change someone by pushing them? By pushing them. Have you tried to push your spouse into change? Or maybe you've tried to argue your older children into changes. Have you tried to argue your older children into changes? Most of the time, pushing or arguing doesn't work very well. Because I don't like to be pushed. You don't like to be pushed. What, what does work then, we ask? What does work to help people to change? It's unselfishness. It's the most powerful tool that we have. It's God-given. It comes from the Bible. It helps other people to grow and to change. In your notes, the biggest changer in the history of the whole world, the biggest changer was Jesus. Jesus Christ was the most unselfish person who ever lived. Jesus gave his life unselfishly on the cross to forgive and to redeem you and me. And look at how many people have been changed in your own life. Who is it that has most positive impact upon your life? Has it been selfish people? Of course not. It's the people who have served you, who acted unselfishly, giving of their time, their talents, their ministry, and their life for you. They have helped you to grow, and that helps you. Awesome. He has, Jesus has done for you, and then has become, enabled you to become a person that God uses to help others to grow also. Peter gives a third powerful reason to be unselfish. Number three, selfishness is a short circuit to prayer. Selfishness short circuits prayer. Look at 1 Peter 3 again. Do this that nothing will stop your prayers. You see in your notes, the way that I act towards others short circuits my relationship to God. You can do it all your way using selfish energy or you can do it God's way depending on his boundless and overflowing grace and mercy. Selfishness at its core says that I'm depending on my energy, myself. Prayer, however, is the very opposite. At the very core of prayer, it says that I am depending on God and his word in my life. So our own selfishness short-circuits the power of our prayers. Who are we depending on? A growing prayer life? Study of God's word? Taking advantage of Bible classes? Sunday school and worship is to so critical to having a good marriage and a good family life. Now, if you and I are going to be unselfish, we must recognize that there are a real struggle that's going to be going on. Peter gives us three words of advice on how I can be unselfish. We begin to develop a life of unselfishness, number one in your notes, with understanding. The first key is understanding. That means we learn to consider the needs of others. Consider others' needs. 
On the back of your notes, look at 1 Peter 3. In the same way, you husbands should live with your wives in understanding ways. The word understanding doesn't mean just intellectual. It means to get to know the other person. We are asking, what do they really need? This is to be part of our relationship. Looking at Philippians 4, verse 5, let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all that you do. Considerate of others is to be part of our attitude in all of our relationships. How? To be considered, you must develop an important skill. In your notes, the S skill to be considerate is by listening. We develop this skill of listening that helps us to be then more unselfish. In the marriage relationship, this must be very intentional. Three words of advice to develop a skill of listening. In your notes, number one, be willing to work at it. When it comes to listening, you need to be willing to work at it. It doesn't come naturally because we are all selfish by nature. By nature, we're not unselfish, so we have to work at it. A young man came into my office and asked me to help him say some good word at his friend's marriage reception. He said, I don't want to say just good luck, because it takes a lot of work and a lot of give and take to have a good marriage. That itself already was a good start. So number one, you must tell, be willing to work at it. Number two in your notes, to be a good listener, let them tell it their way. Let them tell it their way. In a relationship, one person usually wants to tell the whole story. The other one wants just to get to the point. What's the point? We call them painters and pointers. Have you ever noticed that? When one person gets the point, They tend to stop listening. They don't let the other person tell it their way. So if you're a person who likes to finish other people's sentences, there's something that you need to work on. To be a good listener, you have to let them tell it their way. Number three, to be a good listener, you make eye contact. Make eye contact. You guys especially, you and I both know that from behind the newspaper, We certainly hear every single word that our spouse says. We know it, we know it, but they don't. So drop the paper, make eye contact. Eye contact says I'm listening to you. What you're saying is important to me. Listening helps you to be considerate of others' needs. The second way to be more unselfish in your notes, number two, is respect. That means honor others' values. You honor the values of others. Looking at 1 Peter 3, but show them what? Respect. Because God gives them the same blessing he gives you. The grace that gives true life. The ability to seek, to honor the value of someone else. Looking at Philippians chapter 2. When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourself. I will give more attention to others' needs only when I begin to value them more than myself. Now, this is not thinking less of yourself, but it is saying that we need to think of yourself less and of others more.
We need to appreciate others. That means to raise in value. Appreciate something goes up in value. We need to do that with people. We need to appreciate people, not to lower their value. In your notes, the third part to being unselfish, number three, is sacrifice. Sacrifice means the willingness to act on behalf of others, act on others' behalf. This is a huge difference, a huge difference between unselfish words and unselfish actions. Because it's pretty easy to talk. It's easy to say unselfish things. But unselfish action involves sacrifice to act on others' behalf. Looking at 1 Peter 3 again, their godly lives speak to them better than any words. This is where we often struggle. It's easy to say, I want to meet your needs. I value you. I love you with all my heart. Sacrificial talk, that usually makes us feel good. Sacrificial action, however, scares us. Look at 1 John 3.18. He writes, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. So in your marriage, in your family, there are hundreds of little sacrifices daily that will help you to be unselfish. Is it easy? No. So living God's way, living unselfishly, never is. Because each marriage in the relationship of husband and wife, two things we need to learn. First in your notes, we need to learn how to express disagreement in a way that isn't demanding. Express disagreement in a way that isn't demanding. And secondly, we need to learn how to value your teammate. So in conclusion, in order to overcome selfishness, you need to find someone who really loves you perfectly. You see, someone already does love you and loves me perfectly. Jesus Christ is that security, the strength that enables us to love others unselfishly. Peter reassures us in 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed with self, from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your heart. So let us pray. Jesus Christ, I pray that your attitude of unselfishness would be expressed in my relationship with others I'm thinking about. I thank you that your unselfish love for me, I accept your love for me, and I pray that you would help me learn to live your way in my relationship. In Jesus' name. Amen.